great, uh, great time of worship and uh, very appropriate uh, songs for what we're going to be studying today. Uh, we're going to be in the book of Habakkuk uh, one last time today. We're going to finish up our series. Our series was Worry to Worship. That's what it's called. And we're going to be in Habakkuk chapter 3. And uh, we'll finish out the remaining uh, verses there. And today our sermon title is Worry Turned to Worship. We see this picture uh, at the end of this chapter of what that really looks like. So we're going to dive into that. Uh, again, just remember that the progression that we've seen leading up to this has been from one from worry and despair, uh, from anxiety and fear, into a place of then complaint and but watchfulness. That that Habakkuk stood and said, "Listen, I'm going to I'm going to listen for God. I'm going to listen for for what His answers. I'm going to I want to see Him better. I want to know Him more, and uh, so that my faith can be clearer uh, in Him, and it's not in something else, in some other fear that I may have." So. He came from worry into a place of watching. And then as he watched God, as he decided to stand and watch and wait to hear from God and to remember what God has done, God then revealed himself. God revealed to Habakkuk and through the prophet to us just who he is, that he is a sovereign God, that he's a covenantial God, that he is pursuing us passionately, that we can have a saving relationship with him. So it's been an amazing place that to move from worry into watching. And then as you hear from God and see who God is, this, there's this assurance that builds up and this confidence that builds inside of us that God is who he said he is and that we can trust him. And that comfort and that assurance then moves us in to a place of deep, confident faith and worship and praise to God. I mentioned last week or the week before maybe that that chapter three actually in Habakkuk was it's a psalm and, and it was something that was taken and used specifically in worship services for God's people, that they would remember who God is and set their hearts and minds on God, on the sovereignty of God, and that the whole entire chapter would be a prayer, a song offered to God and a remembrance for the people as they sang it to one another. So today we look at that and look at what that praise looks like. Look at what should be welling up in, in our hearts as truth and what are we holding on to. Last week we talked about the coming of the Lord and, and that there was an anticipation that God is coming back and that when He does, uh-oh, you better be ready. I mentioned that there were two, basically two roads that we talked about, two types of hearts last week that we saw. When the coming of the Lord, when the Lord comes back, he, there's two hearts He'll find. One is either faithful or, or unfaithful. One is full of faith and belief and the other is full of rejection and denial. And, and we got to ask ourselves the question, which one do we want to be? When, when Christ returns, do we want to be the ones found living by faith in Christ alone? Or do we want to be found faithless in rejecting Christ? And there is terror to be had. There is fear to be had over, the, over Christ's return, especially if you are without faith. But for those of us who have expressed faith in Christ and have a hope that's firm and secure, we expectantly hope and wait for the Lord to return. We want Him to return. We say, Maranatha, as John wrote in the book of Revelation, come Lord Jesus, come quickly. I hope you can say that. And if you can't say that, I hope you would turn your heart and your life over to Christ in faith and believe Him and be saved. Today, again, we're in Habakkuk chapter 3, and we're going to read the, the rest of the passage, uh, 16 through 19, uh, and then we'll... Uh, We'll get to work. Let's go ahead and, uh, and pray. Father, we thank you so much for your word. We thank you that it's living and active. God, we thank you that, that it can judge the thoughts and attitudes of our heart. And God, today I ask that you would 
Open our hearts and our minds to be receptive to your truth, to your word. God, we invite your spirit to be in every home, in every room, in every car, wherever these people are listening today, Lord, I pray that you would be there convincing them of your truth. God, that you would be there convicting them of their sin, helping them humble their hearts before you and believe firmly in the gospel of Jesus Christ. And God, for for those who have already believed that they would humble themselves and be ready to receive a word from you a word of confidence and faith that we can have in you for our lives, even during the worst of times. We pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen. So we're in Habakkuk chapter 3, verses 16 through 19. I heard and I trembled within. My lips quivered at the sound. Rottenness entered my bones. I stood, or I trembled where I stood. Now I must quietly wait for the day of distress to come against the people invading us. Though the fig tree does not bud and there is no fruit on the vines, though the olive crop fails and the fields produce no food, though the flocks disappear from the pen and there are no herds in the stalls, yet I will celebrate in the Lord. I will rejoice in the God of my salvation. The Lord is my strength. He makes my feet like those of a deer and enables me to walk on mountain heights. It's tagged for the choir director on stringed instruments. Well, this is the final part of Habakkuk chapter 3, and we're going we're gonna to break this apart and, and look at what it looks like to turn from worry to worship. Number one, turning from worry to worship, we must watch and wait patiently. We must watch and wait patiently. As we look at these three uh, themes today, they're going to be themes that have been resounded through all of Habakkuk. We watch and we wait patiently. Look at verse 16. He says, I heard and I trembled within. My lips quivered at the sound. Rottenness entered my bones. I trembled where I stood. Again, this is a proper fear of the coming of the Lord. This is a proper respect and awe of the greatness of God, that God is God and there is no one else. And that proper fear brought about proper waiting. Look at the next verse, or next part of that verse. It says, Now I must quietly wait for the day of distress to come upon the people invading us. He said, I know God's up to something. I know God is going to do His work. And I will wait and I will watch quietly and patiently, expectant that God is going to do something. Now imagine if Habakkuk let his feelings get the best of him. And and feelings, they often do, don't they? They get the best of you and I. Uh, Those feelings now could be fear. You know, in this current time in our world, the season where we're we're afraid of the coronavirus or our lives have changed because of the coronavirus. And maybe some of you aren't worried about the coronavirus as much anymore about your jobs or about getting back to life. or, Or will anyone ever want to shake my hand or hug me again? Those are legitimate concerns. But when fears dictate our emotions and our, and our actions, that's the wrong kind of fear. If he let his feelings get the best of him, he would have never made this great profession of faith that we see here at the end of Habakkuk. He saw a nation heading for destruction. He saw a food and economy that would be emptied and run out. And, and he saw that the knowledge was there of it coming soon for him. It's interesting, isn't it? Scripture is so timeless and timely. Think about that today. Our economy is suffering. Supplies are running low in places. People are 
wondering if they're going to get a paycheck or if they're going to be taken care of. We cannot let the, our emotions, our feelings get the best of us. That is the wrong fear to have. You see, when Habakkuk, like us, looked within himself, there was a fear and a trembling. And then when he looked around, so he looked within himself, there's a fear and trembling. Then he looked around and he saw everything was about to fall apart. But it was only when he stopped and quietly waited and watched for God and when he looked up by faith that he saw God and his fears vanished and his confidence increased. You see, if we look for confidence in inside ourselves, if we look for confidence around us in the circumstances we find ourselves in, we will never find that. It's only when we look up and look to God and trust in Him that a confidence would come. Listen, to walk by faith means to focus on the greatness and the glory of God and the stability of the Sovereign One, the Holy One. It's to say this, that I will look to Him. I will look to Him. I will not look to my, my 401k. I will not look to my bank account. I will not look to the grocery store shelves. I will look to Him. Why? Because He is a sure and steady place to turn. Isaiah chapter 28, verse 16 says this, Therefore the Lord God said, Look, I have laid a stone in Zion, a tested stone, a precious cornerstone, a sure foundation. The one who believes will be unshakable. God has given us a firm place to rely, a firm footing to stand on. Isaiah chapter 30, verses 15 and 16 say this, For the Lord God, the Holy One of Israel, has said, You will be delivered. You will be delivered by returning and resting. Your strength will lie in quiet confidence. Did you catch that? God Almighty, the one we should be looking to, says that your, your deliverance will come by returning and resting. It's that watching and waiting patiently. Your strength will lie in quiet confidence. But you are not willing. You say, no, we will escape on horses. Therefore, therefore you will escape. And we will ride on fast horses. But those who pursue you will be faster. It's just like us to say there's rest in God and there's security in God and there's sure footing in God. But no, no, God, I've got this one. I'll take care of it. I'll do it myself. I can, I can fix my own problems. I can solve my own issues. I can, I can avoid these circumstances or overcome these circumstances on my own. I can take care and find rest for myself in my own heart some other way. That's essentially what we're saying. What God says is those horses, that, those that pursue you, they'll be faster. They'll catch you. You might be able to avoid them for a while, but it will catch up with you. There's only one place, one place to have sure footing, and that's in Him. No matter what we see and no matter how we feel, we must, we must depend on God's promises and not allow ourselves to fall apart. There's this passage in, in Mark where, where Jesus was on the Sea of Galilee, and He's with His disciples, and they're out on, these, on the sea. And remember, it, it seemed as though He was asleep, and and, and the waves and, and the storm came and they're crashing against the, the boats. And the disciples were terrified. They were freaked out. They were scared. And then they said to Jesus, wake up. Don't you care about us? Don't you care whether we live? Maybe you're crying out to him in that way now. God, don't you care about my circumstances? 
Don't you care about what's happening to our family or to our finances? Don't you care that I'm going to lose my house? God cares. But they were scared of the wrong thing. It went on in Mark chapter 4, starting at verse 39. It says, He got up. Jesus got up. He rebuked the wind and the sea. Silence, be still, he said. The wind ceased, and there was a great calm. Then he said to them, Why are you afraid? Do you still have no faith? Now that was a rebuke, wasn't it, from Jesus. Not only did he rebuke the seas and the storm and the wind, he rebuked the disciples and their lack of faith and trust in him. They were afraid of the wrong thing. Now look at the response to this. Verse 41 says, And they were terrified. They were terrified. And this word terrified is like great, great fear. Great terrified. More fear than they had for the storm itself was now in their hearts. There was an awe about the greatness of God. And here's what they said. They were terrified and they asked one another, Who then is this? Even the wind and the sea obey Him. So you see a right fear, a proper fear of the greatness of God, of the authority of God, of the sovereignty of God should lead us to a deep faith. And if we're faithless, we are being afraid of the wrong thing because God is the one who has power over the wind and over the sea and everything else. And if He can do that, then we should wait expectantly for Him to continue to do that. Psalm 37.7 says this, be silent. There's that waiting, right? That watching, that patience. Be silent before the Lord and wait expectantly for Him. Do not be agitated by the one who prospers in His way, by the person who carries out evil plans. So there's a point here. We can, we can either be agitated or we can wait patiently and expectantly for God and trust that God will indeed show up and that His sovereign plans will take place. And I choose to trust Him. That's what waiting means. I'm, I'm going to choose. I'm going to say, I'm going to stand here. I'm going to watch. I'm going to wait. I'm going to pray. I'm going to trust in God's sovereignty. But it takes surrender, doesn't it? Going back when Habakkuk said this in chapter 2 of Habakkuk 2, verse 1, he says, I will stand at my guard post and station myself on the lookout tower. I will watch and see what he will say to me. I hope you're in that place. Even if it's, if it's almost mockingly resentful, like, okay, God, show me. God will show you. If you would humble your heart, though, and stand before Him, waiting patiently to hear, God, what do you have in store for me? How can you sure up my emotions? How can you sure up, uh, shore up my emotions in my heart so I can have confidence in you? We have to choose to watch and to wait and to see and hear from the Lord. And as we do, He will help us recall all that He has already done. So that gives us confidence in His character of what He's going to do next and that we can hold on to Him. Number two, turning our worry to worship, we move from watching and, and waiting patiently. We go to number two, that we express praise and rejoice in the Lord. How do we turn our worry to worship? We worship. We, we set our affections on the one that deserves our affections. He deserves our attention. He deserves our affection. And our hearts should be set on Him. Going back to Habakkuk chapter 3, let's, let's continue in that passage. Verses 17 through 18. Though the fig tree does not bud, 
and there is no fruit on the vines, though the olive crops fail and the fields produce no food, though the flocks disappear from the pen and there are no herds in the stalls. This is a pretty dire situation we're being, it's being described here. He says in verse 18, Yet I will celebrate in the Lord. I will rejoice in the God of my salvation. It's a stand that says, you know what? No matter what, I will have confidence in God. I have watched. I have waited. Now I have seen Him. And I am going to trust Him in confidence that He is going to take care. And as I do, I am going to express that through worship and through praise. I am going to put my attention and my affections and focus my heart on Him. Why? He says, I will celebrate in the Lord. I will rejoice in the God of my salvation. There is no other little G God. There is no other place we can turn. No other fix for our fears or our hearts that will save us and rescue us. Only through our faith in Christ. And He is the God of our salvation. And if He is the God of our salvation, then He deserves our attention and our affection. I hope you're getting the picture of what's happening here and what Habakkuk is seeing. He knows distress is going to going to come. By, by uh, the time Babylon was through with Judah, there would be not much left of value. Buildings would be crumbled and destroyed. Uh, treasures would be plundered and stolen and taken. Orchards and farms would be left devastated. The entire economy would fall apart and there would be little to sing about. But God would still be on His throne. And, and God's people, the ones who live by faith, would have a confidence in Him. The ones that would live by faith, they would really live. What does that mean to really live? It means, first of all, that, that our eternal security is, is granted by God, that God has, has our eternity secure in His hands, and we have a hope that is never going to disappoint because of that. But how we live with that hope in mind is what it means to live by faith, that we would not be living by fear, but in a hope and expressing praise to the one that gives us that hope. Here's the truth. And we don't like to hear this very often, especially as Americans. The truth is that everything can and will be taken away except for the hope-filled fruit of a life lived by faith in God alone. That's, that's all that we have. When it comes down to it, everything else will be ripped away and stripped away from us. We will lose everything. Even this shell of a body, we, it will die. But a life lived by faith and the fruit of that life lived by faith will never disappoint and can never be taken away. That's why you see so many churches hiding and worshiping underground. You cannot take away one's faith. You can take away their clothes or their money or their dignity. You can take away their comfort or their, or their ease. But you can never take someone's faith in God away. It will never disappoint. That's why Paul writes in Thessalonians, 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verses 16 and 17, he says this, Rejoice always. Pray constantly. Give thanks in everything, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Isn't that amazing? Those, those short verses, rejoice always. He didn't say rejoice only when it's rejoiceable. He didn't say rejoice only when it's going well. It says rejoice always. Whatever circumstance is coming your way, rejoice because you have a hope in God. Pray 
constantly or continually. As you study this, it's almost like that, that nagging cough that you have. And anytime that you, you have that itch to pray, pray. Pray and offer praise to God. Focus your attention and your heart and your affections on Him. And give thanks in everything. For this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. That we are to be thankful. That's the heart of one who lives by faith. That's confident in the Lord. Who's turned from worry and towards worship. They're going to praise and be thankful to God. Why? Because He has rescued us. He has rescued us. We have been saved by grace through faith and in Christ alone. And so we sing. So we offer ourselves to Him. So we praise and rejoice in Him. He has accomplished that for us. Psalm 118.14 says this, The Lord is my strength and my song. He has become my salvation. There is nowhere else to find that salvation. There's nowhere else to find forgiveness of sin. There's nowhere else to find reconciliation with our relationship with God except through Christ Jesus. He accomplished it all. And He has rescued us. Those who put their faith and trust in Jesus, they believe that He is the one who died for them. They are saved. They are rescued. And then they sing. I want you to think about this. This passage in Acts. Go ahead and turn there to Acts chapter 16 in your Bibles. I'll give you a second to do that. Paul uh, is in, I think it's Philippi is where they are actually. And, and while they're there, um, they, they're sharing the gospel. And they came across this woman who was, she was a fortune teller, but she was possessed by demons telling fortunes. And her owners were making lots of money off of this. Well, they deliver her. They, they cast out this demon and she comes to faith in Christ. And they didn't like that very much, so they had them arrested. And they were arrested and they were in jail. And remember, remember what happened here in, in verse 25 is where we're going to pick up the story. About midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God. Now listen, they had just been arrested, roughed up, sent to, sent to jail because they were telling people about Jesus. And while they're there, they were praying and singing hymns to God. Why? Because they had moved from worry into a place of reverence and worship. They were confident in God. And it said, and the prisoners were listening to them. Suddenly there was such a violent earthquake that the foundations of the jail were shaken. And immediately all the doors were opened and everyone's chains came loose. When the jailer woke up and saw the doors of the prison standing open, he drew his sword and was going to kill himself since he thought the prisoners had escaped. But Paul called out in a loud voice, Don't harm yourself because we're all still here. The jailer called for the lights. They rushed in and fell down trembling before Paul and Silas. He escorted them out and said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? This is an amazing progression. We're going to read the rest of this in just a minute, but think about this. As you think about even the progression of fear for the jailer, Right? He had a worry and a fear and an anxiety when he found out the prison doors were open. He feared his government. He feared he would be, he would be killed or his, his, his family would be uh, punished for his, his lack of attention. So he pulls out his sword to kill himself. And Paul's like, no, no, wait, 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 wait. And he sees this, this heart change. His fear over his own government changes as the prisoners are all there. But then he goes trembling, right? The proper fear in the power of God and the work of God. And he goes to them and says, what must I do to be saved? And they said, believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved, you and your household. And they spoke the word of the Lord to him along with everyone in his house. 
He took them uh, the same hour of the night and washed their wounds. Right away, he and, his, he and all his family were baptized. He brought them into his house, sat a meal before them, and here's, here's what he did, and rejoiced, the jailer, his family, rejoiced because he had come to believe in God with his entire household. You see, we can't actually move from worry or anxiety or fear until we come to know the saving grace of Jesus Christ. Until you and I come to a place and say, it's not me, what must I do to be saved? And it's to believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved. He believed. He trembled. He knew the power of God, that God was bigger than any God he could worship. God could solve any problem that that he couldn't solve. And he came to him for the deepest need, the need to be forgiven of his sins. And once he was saved, because he was rescued by the sovereign power and grace of God, he rejoiced. He worshiped. Again, we worship because he has been, he has rescued us. We have been saved by grace through faith and in Christ alone, so we rejoice. When we experience the saving grace of God, through faith in Christ, it changes everything. It transcends any circumstance in our life because that salvation is sure. It is an anchor for our soul, that hope that we have. And that hope equals rejoicing. And listen, we, we start to turn that corner now, don't we? When we move from worry into a place of worship and place our affections on God and we believe the gospel and are saved, it turns that corner. And it turns us to number three. Number three is this that we rely on God in confident faith. That you and I will have a confident faith, a faith that will never disappoint. Verse 19, let's see what that says in Habakkuk chapter 3. It says, The Lord, my Lord, is my strength. He makes my feet like those of a deer and enables me to walk on mountain heights. This is for the choir director on stringed instruments. Here's here's a bigger picture. Turn to Psalm chapter 23. Psalm 23. The 23rd Psalm is quite famous. But in in that, I think like the Lord's Prayer, it's one of those that we kind of rush through and we kind of skip over and think we understand it well. But I want us to see the picture of this confident faith that we have in God. We'll read all of the 23rd Psalm. The Lord is my shepherd. I have what I need. He lets me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He renews my life. He leads me along the right paths for His namesake. Even when I go through the darkest valley, I fear no danger, for You are with me. Your rod and Your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Only goodness and faithful love will pursue me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord as long as I live. This is a beautiful, beautiful psalm. A beautiful picture of confidence that the ones who live by faith would have in their great shepherd. He says, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will what? I fear no danger, for you are with me. 
We should have moved from, from fear and worry and despair into a place of watching and waiting and seeing the sovereignty of God, the covenant love of God, and then embracing that covenant love and turning our hearts' affections and attention to Him in praise. And we know that He is with us and that only goodness and His faithful love will pursue me. You understand the pursuit of God on our hearts? That God in His covenantial faithful love is pursuing you and He's pursuing me. Because of God's covenant love and His pursuit of us and our faith in Him, we have this eternal hope and this eternal perspective. Here it is. His, his faithful love will pursue me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord as long as I live. You see, there's a security that, that comes from faith in Christ and what He's done for us, and that security gives us a confident hope, a confident faith in Him. The psalmist David in, in Psalm 18 said this, and we studied this last summer, but in Psalm 18, verses 30 through 33, it says this, God, His way is perfect. The word of the Lord is pure. He is a shield to all who take refuge in Him. For who is God besides our Lord? And who is a rock? Only our God. I want you to understand this. This is a proper view, a perspective on God, that He is the only one that we can turn to. There is no other our confidence in the One who is worthy of all praise is what David is talking about. He goes on, he says, God, He clothes me with strength and makes my way perfect. He makes my feet like the deer or like that of a deer and sets me securely on the heights. It's not only that we are on a firm foundation, but we can climb those heights. We can rise above that and with strength and with courage because we have faith in God. And He will not be shaken. His love for us will not be shaken. His security for us will not be shaken. His sovereignty will not be shaken. And I want to end with this last passage, Isaiah chapter 54. And I, I mentioned this a few weeks ago, 54.10. Though the mountains move and the hills shake, my love will not be removed from you, and my covenant of peace will not be shaken, says your compassionate Lord. Nothing's going to move Him. The One who loves us and gives us confidence through faith in Him, though His love for us, His covenant love for us, and that confidence will not be shaken. Listen, despite what we feel or what we fear or, or what's crumbling around us, waiting and watching, remembering what God has done and how He pursues us will give us an expectant, praise-filled, confident faith that will never be shaken. And that's the promise we have. And that's, that's the resounding cry of, of the end of Habakkuk. Although it started shaky and started in fear, he moved to a place of watchfulness where God was up to something, where God was going to do something. And he heard from God and he was assured from God. And that confidence grew into confident praise. Is your affection, is your attention, is the attention of your heart focused where it needs to be in confidence of your Lord 
Have you placed confidence in your Lord as Savior? You need to do that if you haven't. But if you have, you and I can trust confidently that His love for us will not be shaken and that He and His love for us will endure no matter what. I love you guys. Let's pray. Father, thank You so much. Thank You so much for Your amazing grace. Thank You for Your covenant love that, God, You you pursue us with and that Your compassionate covenant love will never be shaken. God, I, I pray that those who have not put their hope and faith in that, they will today. They would surrender their heart. They would turn to You like the jailer and say, what must I do to be saved? And they would believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. They would turn from their own sin, their own ways, their own gods, and they would turn to Him alone and be saved. For the rest of us who have done that, Father, I thank You so much that You've drawn us into that relationship with You, that You have redeemed us through what has been accomplished through Christ on the cross. God, we ask that You would increase our faith, that You would increase our joy, that You would increase our worship and our praise, that the affections of our heart and the attention of our heart would rest confidently in You always, despite any circumstance, despite any fear, despite any feeling that we have, that we would rest securely in you. And we pray that in Jesus' name.